and it was the youth that were going to take over uh, the service. Instead, you're going to get a 45-year-old guy. <laughs> it's it's going to be a little bit different. But I'm so appreciative of the fact that they were able to actually move their um, their rehearsal for worship um, to Wednesday so that we could um, record today's worship session. And, and the worship ministry actually came in to back it up. And I'm actually very, very thrilled to see FGA functioning like a um, multi-generational household of faith. You know, last week uh, was, last week was so good. I love the fact that we were able to even kick off our generation series. I love the fact that um, our seniors got on and showcased uh, their real life stories, hearing from Patrick and Chris. If you if you missed that service, oh my goodness, you need to go back to our um a recording of last week and, and listen to it again because for me as a younger person relative to that, I was able to see great testimonies and examples of people who have been faithful for the to the long journey of um, following God and His mission. Um, I also really like the fact that we were able to combine both the strengths of FGA across the multi-generations um, into that service. So you you may not know this, but we had our young people behind the scenes. You know, some of them were playing instruments. Some of them were editing the video for the line dancers as line dancers were dancing uh, in their homes. And it was just great that all the different generations were able to get together to basically lift up each generation as we proclaim the name of the Lord. Hey, I'm just going to load up my slides. If uh, Andy, if you could jump to the front of my slides. I'm going to open us in prayer and let's get started um, today. Father God, I lift up um, today's message into your hands. Uh, Lord, even as I preach, Lord, I'm so conscious of the fact that uh, I'm just uh, I'm just human like everyone else who's listening to this. Lord, we all of us need you. All of us need your guidance. Uh, and, and in this even lockdown season, Lord, um, it's so easy for us to uh, default into our natural human ways. And so, Lord, I pray that even as I speak, um, that it would not be me speaking. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place, into all the homes that are listening. Uh, Lord God, have your way uh, with us, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so as you've heard multiple times through today, uh, it is a little bit of a different service today because we had planned for generations. Um, and what we're doing now, we um, I took actually Thursday, I spent the whole of Thursday really trying to pray about once the lockdown was announced, you know, um, pray about what we were going to do with our services. You, you may not know this, but uh, Victoria... If you're listening from other states or other countries, you know, Victoria is going into a second round of lockdowns, um, and, and Victoria needs your prayers right now, and I'm so glad that we are praying as a church. We've got our Wednesday prayer meetings back up again. Uh, we had about 50-something Zoom uh, people jump on for prayer meeting this Wednesday, record number for our midweek prayer meeting, uh, which probably was about 70-something people, because there's multiple people on, uh, you know, in, in one account. And then we've got our pre-service prayer, uh, corporate prayer. 
that happens at 9 a.m. on Sundays. And so there are these two areas where you can come in and pray. I'm so glad that we are a praying church. But Victoria needs your prayers, you know, right now. We need to um, uh, abide by what the government is doing. And so in, in line with that, we've now actually been more restricted with our online service. Uh, you may not realize this, uh, but we have even called up the coronavirus hotline and uh, kind of <laughs> asked them for all kinds of different um, concessions. You know, uh, can we have people on different levels? We've got a three, four building, whatever. And we got very clear instructions that we can only, um, that we can only do five people for an online broadcast. And so... Uh, because only five people can show up, that means your worship team, it can't be five because we need people on sound. We need people uh, behind the scenes for the live stream. Uh, worship can only be like one person. Chairperson is one. Speaker is another. Um, and so uh, we've had to sort of sit down and reevaluate the whole thing. And so we decided after much prayer and discussion that we would um, push back the generation series, you know, um, and so you can look forward to the next generation. Okay, that's a Star Trek joke, but it's okay. Um, you know, uh, a lot of us, we are going through this again, and, and some of us are like, oh my goodness, not again, right? Um, well, I got some good news. We're using this period, actually, to uh, to this Sunday to prepare for a great new series that we've got coming up. So while today um, I'm going to do a series called When You're On Your Own Again, right? Um, next week, I'm so excited because we're going to be kicking off a brand new lockdown series called Uncharted, which talks about how we can lead our families and our church. Um, how can we navigate life when the, we don't have a roadmap? when we're going into unprecedented territory. You know, it turns out the church was specifically designed for uncharted journeys. Uh, we're going to look at the life of Peter um, as he began his journey with really not much of a plan from the, the, the start of it. But yet God led him every step of the way as the church uh, got birthed. And I'm really super, super pumped about this series that we've got coming up. We've got some guest speakers, um, you know, that are in the pipeline. Uh, but today, before we do that series, so I'll be kicking that off next week, I wanted to spend one last session on when you're on your own. When you're on your own again. Let's recap what we did with that series. So When You're On Your Own was a series that we did uh, before that generation the seniors' generation. And we did four sessions. We did one where we talked about when you're on your own, hey, uh, You've got to choose carefully what you're going to spend that on your own time with, right? And we looked at Psalms 1, um, and blessed is that man who, instead of meditating day and night on Netflix and YouTube or whatever it is, he meditates on the Word of God. We talked about the importance of the Word of God um, enable, um, as an enabler for flourishing. And then uh, we looked at talk. What are you, um, who are you talking to? Uh, here, what are you listening to? And then Roger capped off our series with passing it on so that it's not just when you're on your own, you just do things for yourself, but there is a legacy that passes on. Right now, 
we are in round two of our lockdown. If you're here in Melbourne, in Victoria, we're round two. We are, it's a little bit like deja vu, right? Because we, in many ways, this can be a blessing for us. Because we get to look back at series one, at lockdown number one, and we get to go, hey, what worked and what didn't work? We get to look again and say, during that first period, did I grow? Did, did I mature spiritually or, or did I slack off? What things would I change if I could do it again? What could I do if I was on my own again? And I feel like even as a family, we, you know, we've been talking about this at, at home. Um, I feel like we're better prepared this second time round right? Even Victoria is better prepared the second time around. You know, our, our family had devotion last week. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things I'm loving about our um, lockdown period is that our family spending uh, more time together. Good and bad, mostly good, right? Um, but, but our devotion times are, are kind of coming back alive again. And we're looking as in our family in, through the book of Proverbs, and last devotion, we asked the question, like, what's wise? The book of Proverbs is about wisdom. And so we talked about wise things that we would be doing uh, during this second round of lockdown. And, and I, because it's number two, it was easy for the kids, me, my wife, to, to think through and go, ah, this didn't work that well last time. What about we try it again? And I think God is giving us a good opportunity to use this second lockdown season to get it right. Because I think, and which is, um, so I think that our lives are never going to be the same again. I actually think that God is using this season to completely change the way even His church is going to function. And many times over this series, um, we have said there's something broken about the modern church. And in many ways, the Uncharted series that we're starting next week is going to be our attempt to reshape a church that is ready um, for uh, the new normal, the new uh, future, right? And so this round two is time for us to be able to practice, I guess, to be able to see, hey, what is it like if I have to actually disciple my own family? What's it like if, if I actually have to um, do worship uh, at, at home or lead my own life? When, when I'm on my own, what is my actual walk with God like? And I think that is a great question for all of us to ask. You know, it's not all the time. It's, we're not talking about like, this is God's, you know, forever plan. It's not. But there are seasons where it happens, and it happened in history. It has happened in the Bible, where, where men of God have been either in captivity, they've been on their own. Women of God have been on their own. They've had to stand on their own, like Esther or, or um, Deborah, or, right? Uh, there are times when we have to be on our own, when we're on our own, we still have to reflect God and proclaim His name. And so that's why we're at this uh, again. And for today, I want us to ask this question. What is wise 
for us to do when we're on our own again, right? So what is wise for you, for you to do when you're on your own again? And this is going to be a very personal message. I, it's personal to me. Um, it's out of what God is speaking to me and doing in my own life. So I'm not sort of above everybody else. We're all human, right? Um, but this question, I'm, I'm hoping the Holy Spirit will speak to you today because this question is not for your kids. It's not, it's not for your husband. It's not for your wife. It's not for your parents. If you're teenagers or you're a young adult, you're sitting there going, oh my goodness, my, my, my mom needs to hear this. My dad needs to hear this. It's not. It's for you. It's not even for strangers. It's not, oh my goodness, I hope that all these people who are not paying attention with COVID in Victoria, I hope they listen to Pastor Chris's message today and do wise things during this season. Today's message is, what is the wise thing for you to do when you're on your own today? So let's get right into it. First off, I want to kick us off with this myth. I want to address, it's a very pervasive uh, myth that is in our society um, today. It's insidious. It, it, it goes on everywhere because it's this thought that what I do on my own time doesn't matter. As long as I am not harming anybody else, look, just leave me alone. As long as I'm not causing anybody else problems, if I'm not doing any other stuff, just Leave me alone to do my own thing. I'm going to just buckle down, do what I need to do to get through the day, the week, the lockdown period. I'll see you on the other side. Um, you know, it's a myth because everything we do affects the world around us. We are seeing this with coronavirus now more than ever, Right? I mean, oh my goodness, this is the time where we are seeing firsthand how one person's behavior or a group of people's behavior can affect all of us. Um, we are mostly responsible people. I know I'm talking right now to mostly responsible people. So I want to address this myth in context of people who, you know, like... We've got things to do. We've got jobs. We're, we're, doing, we're helping out with the home. We're doing chores. We're, but sometimes we feel like... Um, I'm, I'm doing things for others, right? I'm doing things that I have to do that are my responsibility. And then after I'm done doing all of those things, after I've cleaned up the house, after I've done my work, after, like, just for goodness sakes, leave me alone and give me some time to do the things I want to do, right? So after you've done all your responsibilities, sometimes you go, hey, Leave me alone. I want to do things on my own time. Or, or, or maybe, maybe you're the kind of person who just in order to get through the day or the week, and, and we're all a bit like this. So please don't hear me sort of saying, oh, it's all of you guys. Like, it, it's me too. Sometimes through lockdown season one, we have developed, um, we have developed coping mechanisms that have helped us get through the turmoil and the change and the stress without even really being very conscious of it. We're like, oh my goodness, you know, I need a bit more recharge time. I need like, but you know, I'm not disturbing anyone. 
I'm not disturbing anybody. I'm just, I'm just playing computer games in my room there. I don't, like, I'm, not, I'm not causing any chaos. Just leave me alone. I, I'm not hurting anybody. And so there's a, a thinking that can infect our subconscious even that goes, hey, um, when I'm on my own, what I do in my own time doesn't matter. You know, please hear me uh, as I get into this message. And I, I think we're going to be ending service. You know, it's going to be an on-time service. It's going to be an absolute miracle. Uh, but please hear my heart as I share this message today uh, from God's Word. We're going to be reading Scripture in a short while. My goal um, is actually pastoring of this church as God has called me to do. All right? Um, this is round two. Uh, our primary concern, if you're joining us from overseas, if you're not at FGA and you're jo- listening to a sermon because somebody has forwarded this sermon onto you, praise the Lord. I'm so glad you've connected with this service um, and, and with this sermon. But I've got to be really honest with you. Um, primarily, this service primarily this message is for our household of faith. God has placed this in local churches, which are more than the sum total of an online sermon. There are more than the sum total of a pre-recorded worship session. Churches are a household, multi-generational, relational, deep uh, households of faith where it's the family of God. And, and in a sense, we're all being shepherded. Um, I know I'm the senior pastor. Pastor means shepherd. But in a sense, we're all being shepherded by God. And so that means then that part of it is that we have to spend our time talking about, hey, where are we going? What are we doing? Where should we go? Um, and herding all of us towards green pastures, towards still waters. And so that's what... If you can hear my heart, that's what I'm going to try to do today. Because, and because, uh, just like that picture that I've got up there, that, that there's so many of us at FGA, right? We are, we're 400 and something strong. Um, it's hard to individually um, catch up with each person to see like, hey, where are you and what's going on in your life? So I thought what I would do is spend some time talking about our group reality as a group of us, as a flock, as a household of faith. Here's, here's what we know about consumption in the last lockdown. Here's what we can say about that, that previous lockdown period number one. And then all you have to do as I talk about these things is for you, for your own life, just go, ah, oh, is this me or it's not me? Is this me or is it not me? All right? Here's what we know. We know that porn usage has gone up. All right? Now, I know you can look at all these, like, different stats around the world, but I managed to find an Australian statistic by a researcher in the University of Western Australia, and he's studying the lockdown period. And he found in the people that he surveyed, a large, um, a large group of people that he surveyed in his study, his academic study, that 60% of the people he contacted increased their porn usage. We know that globally the stats are that porn has gone up 18 to 25, uh, uh, sorry, that guy's study was in May. 
very recent. Um, we know that in that lockdown period from uh, March even, that there has been an 18 to 25% increase in porn across uh, porn viewing across the world. Now, 18 to 25% may not seem much, but um, I'm going to throw in my sort of statistics sort of background in here. We are talking about a mature industry, okay? So if you're a startup, all right, and you grow by 10, 15, 20%, that's nothing, right? Startups, we start with one person, they can grow by 100% by getting another person to two. But by the time you're a mature industry with billions of hours of, of, of people watching porn, for you to get a 25% growth, that's ridiculous. How much more can it grow? Right? We know, and these are Australian figures, we know that Australian bottle shop sales have gone up 25% in May. Alcohol. Consumption has increased since May. We know this as a result from the first lockdown. In fact, after that 25% increase in May of uh, bottle shops in Australia, uh, bottle shop sales, uh, there has been a steady growth in alcohol purchases every week since then. Gaming is at all-time record levels. Twitch uh, gaming servers, uh, streaming sites have dramatically increased the number of hours that they are broadcasting and the viewership across the board. And food. <laughs> Let's not even get into statistics about food because we can just, all of us included, can just step on a scale. All right? Uh, we know that food consumption, oh my goodness, there are even like memes and jokes all over the place, right, about what's happened in the, in the first lockdown that has happened. Um, in general, if we're not paying attention, if we're not paying attention, a bunch of these things can creep up on us. And so let's read today's passage um, from 1 Corinthians 6, 12 to 20. If you have your Bibles, please turn to it, but I'm just going to read it. Um, It goes like this. All things are lawful for me. Phew, all things lawful for me. But not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food. There's a Bible passage that says my stomach is meant for food. Oh, wait. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by His power. Do do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or, Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin 
a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Today, I really want to talk about our body, us as the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And I know it's, uh, it's, it's tricky and um, it's going to be a little bit confronting, but I'm, I'm hoping that we will take this very, very seriously. Because as Christians, when we're on our own, we just don't just do whatever we want to do. Because our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me see if I can unpack this in, uh, for you, okay? I'm going to try my very, very best to unpack this, in a, unpack this in a practical and helpful way because I know, just having pastored FJ now for like 15 years, um, I know that this is not new knowledge for many of you, okay? As I read this, right? In fact, Paul, as he's writing this letter to the church in Corinth, he's also aware that they already know this. That's why so many times in this passage, he says, do you not know? He says that because you're already supposed to know, okay? So I know you know. Everybody knows they know. Like this is known. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? You're supposed to know this. Yet, he still reminds us because it's possible for us to know it. And when we're not paying attention, it's possible for, know, for us to know it and then still get dominated by something. To know it and still not follow our lives, not follow what we know. So let's cover three basics and three deeper sort of insights into this passage. If I could just take us through this, I'm going to go pretty quick, um, but I'm hoping that this will be practically helpful for you. So let's do some basics, because these are things we know. One, let's talk about the natural life, okay? Uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 6.13, um, there's an argument that goes, food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach meant for food. What, what is that about? What, what is he talking about? Paul is trying to say, hey, there's an argument out there that goes, you know what? God gave us taste buds to eat amazing food, uh, and so I'm just doing what I was created for. In fact, we all were given a sex drive. Uh, all of us, like these are just natural things that people do. That's the argument that here. It seems like a good argument, but what Paul uh, is, is very clear in stating is, yes, definitely God made us. He made us natural, but we are now joined. It's like we got married. Uh, it's like we now are joined together with God, all right? And so we're not just our own, but we are for the Lord, and the Lord is for us, for our body. And so I think... 
what we have to consciously be aware of is that our appetites are not just for us to consume and consume and consume. Our appetites are not just for our own self-satisfaction. In fact, our body or even the, the flesh parts of us, they're also for the Lord. Um, I don't know if you know this, but the, um, the Greek word for sexual immorality that is in there is actually porneia. Why did I use porn as an example of some of the things that are um, going on overdrive during lockdown? Uh, it's because the Greek word is porneia. It's, it's this thing where um, our drives can go overboard. And the, the text talks about like, um, you know, like being with a prostitute. It's a little bit like porn. You know, I, we're all locked down at the moment. It's a little bit like porn where you, it's like no strings attached. All right? Um, so the first thing we have to contend with is our normal, natural life. And, and maybe you might think this is normal or natural for me as a person. This is normal in our society. This is normal for us um, to do. But this passage says, hey, let's go beyond just the normal. These things, they're going to get destroyed anyway. Our normal body is going to come and go. The second thing that comes out of this text is this whole concept of being dominated. Dominated. Uh, it goes in 1 Corinthians six twelve. right? All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything, right? And, and most of us who've been Christians for a long time, we know what this means, right? That we're not addicted to anything. Nothing becomes our master. That word dominated uh, means ruled or mastered by anything. So, great. There's actually, you are allowed to play board games, computer games, watch YouTube, eat food, like these, there are some things that are they're in the general, they're lawful things. Maybe they're not very helpful or maybe they're not uh, helpful in, um, in large quantities, right? But the, the rule here is that we would not be dominated by anything. And I think for the mature Christians who are listening here, I think some of us, um, we go, yeah, yeah, you know what? I am not going to be dominated by anything. I'm not mastered by anything. So I just want to um, throw up a, a reality check, if I could, for us today, if we're listening to this. Not being dominated, so not being dominated means that nothing is dominant in your life. If something takes up the majority of your time, it's dominating. All right? Just like if the world was occupied by, you know, like mostly conquered by one country or whatever it is, it's dominant. All right? Uh, the thing, a good reality check. So it's, it's not what you think. It's not what you believe. It's what's happening in the reality of your life. If something is taking up the majority of your time alone, that means after you've done all your chores, after you've done, and you're like, oh, great. This is what I'm going to spend all my time doing. 
Gaming, gaming, gaming. YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. Netflix, Netflix, Netflix. Social media, social media, social media. Shopping, shopping, shopping. Eating, eating, eating. Whatever the thing is, if it's going to take up most of your time, it's dominating. By definition. All right? And so as Christians, we need to go, okay, what is dominating our time? What is, what is, what is taking um, the majority? So let's not be fooled in this. All right? It's possible for us as Christians to look at the time that we have on our own and spend that time wisely. And I'm not saying, oh my goodness, I'm not saying don't have any fun, don't watch any movies, don't out. It would be so hypocritical for me to say that because, like, <laughs> I also have downtime, which I, I, I really enjoy. Um, but what I'm saying is, while all things are lawful, a Christian watches carefully that they're not dominated by it. The third thing that comes out of this text, and these are the very basics, right, um, is about your body. Do you not know that? And here's how his argument goes. Your body is a temple um, of the Holy Spirit within you. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you. Um, Who gave you your body? Oh, that's right. You have it from God. Okay? Whom you have from God. Okay? You could view that as your body was from God. It's kind of ambiguous. You could also view it as the Holy Spirit has been given to you from God. Both of those things have been given from God. And then it follows from that. Uh, Paul says, yeah, actually, you are not your own. You're not your own. You were bought with a price. What he's trying to say is um, the you, the new Christian you, Okay, this new creation of you who has been born again, who has been set free from sin, who Jesus Christ has, has got you freedom from these things that enslave you and actually do you harm, that was not free. It was, it was bought at a price. It might be free for you, but it came at a price. Okay, so then glorify God in your body. It means that we're supposed to use our body. We're supposed to use what we do with our body to glorify God. And so I want to talk to us about having what I love about this scripture. And I think the um, culture today, uh, non-Christians, if you're listening uh, to this, uh, I think what everybody misunderstands about this passage is that everybody thinks, oh my goodness, there's church again saying, don't be sexually immoral. Oh, here's church again going, don't be a glutton and eat food, you know, uh, too much. And No, this passage is actually saying, have a high view of your body. Okay? Have a high view of it. God has redeemed it. He loved you so much that he, that he saved your body for what? For what? Can I be 100% clear? I'm going to try and look at the camera right now. I'm going to try and look at you. And some of you need to hear me say this, but it's not me saying this. Okay? You are valuable. You are valuable. You are expensive and you are worthwhile. You. Whether you're a kid, you're a teenager, you're retired, you're a, a mother, a father, single, uh, 
You are valuable. I don't know what you think of yourself. I don't know if you, you view yourself and think of yourself and your body as extremely valuable. But I do know what God thinks of you. And I do know what Scripture says about you. And this passage is trying to say, you are valuable. Come on, guys. Let's not muck around and waste this amazing body, this amazing life that God has given us. Sure, all things are lawful. But do you want to be dominated by something? Something that's not even going to yield good fruit? That's what this passage is trying to say. So let's go a little bit deeper then. Okay? So those are the basic things. I think if you were like to open up the Bible, that's kind of what you would get from this. I, I, I just want to take it a little bit deeper if I could. Because there is a bit of a nuance in this. Um, and I feel like sometimes culturally as a church, we... Um, we can get this wrong. Um, mainly, I think we can get this passage wrong by thinking that um, if, we, if we just try harder, if we just impose more rules, oh my goodness, if my parents just monitor my internet usage, or if I just like, then, then, then I, think, I think I could be better. I think I can I'd be wiser. And that is true to a certain extent, but ultimately it's not going to work. And so I want to get to a little bit deeper of what this text is bringing out. This text is saying that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay? We're not talking about a relationship with God that's just about rules and things that you can and can't do. Your, your body is the, is the temple of a living God who is in you. You are the Lord and the Lord has sent His Holy Spirit to be with you. The first thing you need to understand is God, only God is holy. Only God is holy. Holy, before it is an adjective. So, you know, you tend to think of holy as an adjective, right? A holy this, holy that, right? This thing's holy. Before it was an adjective, it was a noun. Because holy is God. Only God is holy. And so, really, our only hope of being holy is in proximity to God, of things relating to God, in and within God. Only God can make us holy. That's what this is trying to say. Um, can I just be very, very clear about this? That the goal of this passage, when, when we're reading this passage, it is not so that we can become more controlled, be more self-control. Oh my goodness, self-control. I need more self-control. No, that's not how it works. Self-control is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Self-control is not the thing you do to please God. Self-control is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's the fruit of having God within you, being close to God, proximity to God, and then God working, speaking in your life, and then out of that produces self-control. Okay, so, the, so if you're listening to this message and you hear me saying, 
Don't look at porn. Don't play too many computer games. Don't eat that supper for the second time at 3 a.m. in the morning. Nah, that's not what I'm saying. You missed You missed it. Maybe go rewind. I'm not... That's not it. I mean, it's kind of it because that's the end goal, maybe, right? But what this passage is trying to say is the Holy Spirit needs to convict you. Not the senior pastor on a video on a screen. What this passage is saying is that um, we in our proximity to God, in our closeness, in our walk with God, the Holy Spirit, He dominates us, He leads us and guides us, and then these things come. All right? As society, we know that this, our own self-generated self-control does not work. We have seen in Christianity even, the abstinence movement that just led to more rebellion. We've seen in America, they had a whole abolition movement, right? Where they, they, the, they, they tried to abolish alcohol. Just go and research some of these things. Uh, we have seen in, in our modern day society what dieting does. It just makes you like stick with all these routines and then after the diet's over, you gain double the weight. Because something inside hasn't changed. Uh, I think we have to realize, actually, that all of us, we're like Humpty Dumpty. We've had a great fall. And oh my goodness, all the king's horses and all the king's men, they're not going to put us back together again. All right? Like, that's for the kids who are like watching this, just so that we all remember that the goal of this passage is not so that we can pick up the pieces of our own lives by being so awesome. How awesome are we, right? It is that we need to rely on God. So the deeper, second point then, is that sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit. Sanctification is this process where we become more and more like Christ, okay? But it requires us to listen to the Holy Spirit. Do we need to improve? Do we need to get better with some of these Absolutely, we need to get better. How is very important. How is very important. Let's read 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 to 8. And we get, a, we get a picture of this, okay? So it says, 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 to 8 says this. Finally then, brothers, we ask and we urge you in the Lord Jesus that, you, that as you receive from us how, how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. So that first line, I know it's a bit complicated, says, hey, I'm hoping that you walk in the Lord more and more, that you go better and better, okay? Um, for, for you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. This is the will of God for your sanctification, for you to get more like Christ, that, that you abstain. Come on, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who don't know God, so that no one transgresses or wrongs his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. So, so this passage, it begins with, hey, there are some things that you need to control. Hey, there are some things that you need to go. But look where it takes us. For God has not called us for impurity. That's right. 
Because your body is not the temple of impurity. Your body is the temple for the Holy Spirit, right? A high value for your body. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God. And then here comes the key, the key, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Who gives His Holy Spirit to you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That means you listen to the Holy Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit dwells and lives in you. If you need some clarity about what that is, that means you're not just reading the Bible as a dry text. You're reading it and you're going, Holy Spirit, what are you saying from this passage about my life? Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me about? It means that when you're listening to worship, you're not just listening to a song and, and jumping up and down. It means that you're actually attuning your whole person to engage with the Holy Spirit in worship. It means that you're spending time listening to the Holy Spirit, that, that you're filled Filled with the Holy Spirit, like a pickle, um, like, like you're immersed in it, like you're baptized in it. That's what it means, okay? So practically, three, taking us really practically and, and sort of finishing this whole thing up. Um, I just want to, like, it's great that we understand all of these concepts, but it, it, I want us to land on something, just so that you're clear about where we're going with this. I would encourage you, lockdown season two, when you're on your own again, could you make space for the Holy Spirit to speak? Um, I think it's helpful to partner up. That's why we've got the body of Christ with us. I have I mentor a few people, um, and over the lockdown, you know, I've been I've been talking with them. Some of the best things I've actually heard are when people um, Find an accountability partner. So they go, oh, hey, can you, can you call me up in the morning and we're going we're gonna to do quiet time together. We might do it separately, but hey, let's just keep each other accountable. Or, or together with somebody else, they're reading through scripture or they're just, you know, they're sharing what the Holy Spirit is saying. Partner up is great because we were designed to be in a relational body of Christ. Can I encourage you? Number three, practically test an addiction. Just test it. If you are not sure if you're addicted to it, can you go without it? I've regularly had to test gaming. I've regularly had to test a range of things in my own life and go, is this dominating me? And, and this is not um, you self-controlling uh, to um, using your own strength to sort of change the course. It's not. When I say testing an addiction, what I mean is that maybe you're fasting, maybe you are um, checking your motives for it, but you are testing it with the Holy Spirit. That means you're saying, you're, you're, you're looking at the thing and you're going, Holy Spirit, what would you want me to do? Is this placed correctly in my life? So you're testing your addiction to see if it's addicted, uh, if you're addicted, whether you're dominated by it. Um, then lastly, 
I want to talk about daily surrender. In this lockdown period, there is no better way for the Holy Spirit to influence us, um, to guide us, than for us to take a humble position. That means we're asking for repentance, we're surrendering ourselves, and we're having an orientation where we're saying, Holy Spirit, lead and guide us in this season. And so it is with that in mind that I want to lead us into communion today. So if you can go and get your communion elements um, right now. I'm going to call Jordan up because we're going to do communion um, together. I'm going to read a passage uh, just as you get your communion elements. Because um, I think nothing says more than we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Nothing says more than God is in us, with us, that our body is the Lord's, than to have His body and His blood ingested into us. Uh, nothing says it more um, than, than the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross that tells us that we were bought at a price. Communion, in, in, in all senses of the word, is this... Um, symbolic but really powerful um, thing that we can do to remind ourselves that we are one with Christ, that, that, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that God is, is really uh, dwelling in and with us. But we need to take it seriously. So um, I'm going to read this passage before we begin. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven to 32 says this. Whoever, therefore, eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. So let a person examine himself then. That's what I'm hoping that the passage today has asked us to do. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. The, I'll give you a summary of this passage. Be careful when you take this. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. God says that if we ask for forgiveness, He will forgive us. Jesus paid a price for us. So right now, where you are, you, we are going to close our eyes and you can ask for forgiveness. You can take that daily posture of surrender and we can go, God, forgive me of my sins. I want to join again in partnership with you. This is your body and your blood. All right? We're going to pause for one minute. And as your eyes are closed, and you don't have to talk to any other family members, even right now, your eyes are closed. And between you and God, just get yourself right with God. It's available for all of us that we can in this moment say, God, cleanse me. But you need to confess your sin. 
You need to repent of it. To turn around from it. And you need to follow after God. One Corinthians eleven twenty three to twenty six says, "For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me.' Thank you, Lord God, for the body." that you have sacrificed for us. Let's take the bread. And in the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. So this cup that we have, it is the new covenant, the new sort of contract, but more than a contract. It is a covenant that you have with God through His blood. Thank you for sacrificing your blood for us. Let's drink. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You know, um, just as we close, I just want us to remind, to remember that because of what Jesus has done, because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, you are not on your own. You're not on your own, even in this season of lockdown. You're not on your own. And um, more importantly, as we consider what we're going to do during this lockdown, um, I just want us, as we finish, to remember that not just are we not on our own, we are not our own. You are not your own. If you're a Christian... This new season um, needs to be a reminder of, uh, for us to follow after God like we've never followed Him before. So I want to close us in prayer. Um, you know, we have a lobby uh, at uh, fjam.org.au slash lobby after the service where we would love to pray for you. I know there's some of you, uh, you would like us to pray for this next season of lockdown. Maybe you just want to just jump on and go, hey, uh, our pastors are there, right? Just go, uh, our altar ministry team are there. Just go, hey, could you pray with me? Am, 
my family as we go through this lockdown part two. Um, can you pray for me? For we happy to keep the prayers confidential, right? Maybe pray for an addiction that you've got. Maybe you're struggling with something, right? Uh, just as I close in prayer, like you're very welcome to come to this lobby. We will break you out into private breakout rooms so that you can pray with somebody and we can support you in your journey as you um, follow after God. Let's pray.